Enlorn. And I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalanced Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by our guest, Christy Rutherford. With over 20 years of leadership experience, Christy is an international executive leadership coach and business advisor. She assists executives with clearing the path for their next level of success through strengthening their emotional intelligence, improving their time management, and increasing self-confidence. A Harvard Business School alumna, Christy is also a certified executive leadership coach from Georgetown University and has been featured in Forbes three times. In her nearly 17-year career with the U.S. Coast Guard, Christy was the 13th African-American woman in their 225-year-plus history to achieve the rank of commander, where her demographic made up one-tenth of one percent. With expertise in crisis management, she responded to the needs of the citizens in New Orleans two days after Hurricane Katrina and had a three-year congressional fellowship with the House of Representatives. Christy's academic portfolio also includes an MBA and a pastry chef diploma. Among her many professional accomplishments, her national recognition includes Harvard Business School's 2018 Launching New Ventures Pitch Contest Grandmaster Champion, Cambridge Who's Who Amongst Executives and Professionals, Career Communications STEM Technology All-Star, and the Edward R. Williams Award for Excellence in Diversity. Christy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I cannot wait to share some information with you and just catch up. Absolutely. So you and I met for the first time at a women's investment news conference in Mm -hmm. Southern California, where you were a keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And I really, really connected with your message. And I'll let you share in your words and share a little bit of your story. But really what I took away from that was a realization that oh my gosh, as women, we are taking on so much, (laughs) so much stress, other people's stress, other people's stuff. We're doing what other people want us to do. And it may be keeping us stuck, stuck in our career path that may, or maybe we don't even know what direction we're heading in and need to figure that out too. But I read your intro here and you have a very impressive resume, but you basically left a career as a commander in the Coast Guard, just short of retirement. So can you share with the listeners who you are, what your story is, and how you came to be doing what it is you're doing today? Okay. So I'm Chrissy Rutherford, a general hustler and a unicorn rider. That's that's who I am. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget pastry chef. That was something new I didn't know. Oh, yes. A pastry eater and pastry chef. (laughs) How did I come here? How did I get here? Well, you just talked about being in the Coast Guard and leaving shy retirement. I burned out as a high-achieving workaholic, proving people wrong and working extended hours because they said that I would never make it because I was Black and because I'm a woman. So I got caught up in working to prove people wrong that I actually forgot to be happy. Mm. At the 16 and a half year mark, and if you understand federal service, we retire at 20. I was done with myself. I hated myself and I hated my life, but I had everything that they said I couldn't have, right? Mm -hmm. And then I had everything that I wanted that I thought would make me happy, but I was as hollow as a chocolate Easter bunny. Mm -hmm. So even though my light shined from the outside with material things and the rank and the position, and I had four degrees by that point, I was just dead on the inside. And I had a boss who came and did me a favor. 
a boss that I actually worked for at one point, a very toxic maniac. And he gave me permission to do what I wouldn't have done. And that was leave. Wow. And how, how did he do that? What, what was it that he did? He started harassing me <laughs> and uh, he told the number two guys, he was the number one at the time that he was going to destroy me. <sighs> and I was the number one and I managed up. Does that make sense? So I'm mentoring my number two. And I'm like, so you're going to, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to let this man do me like that because he had just gotten there, but me and the the number two had already been there for a year. So I had a relationship with this guy mm-hmm. and he chose to do nothing. I really became just jaded and disappointed, but really at the end of the day, Lauren, my forest was already on fire. So he was just the last piece of lighter fluid that I couldn't manage. My forest had been burning for 10 to 12 years. So mm-hmm. I was already on fire. That was just one more thing that I couldn't take. And what happened, it was a series of events. It was like a hundred small things that led to the one decision. So it wasn't just this, oh my God, this guy was harassing me and I couldn't take it and I quit. Mm -hmm. One, in 2009, messing around with Oprah, I started to visualize a different life, Mm -hmm. which is this life. This is the life that I wanted. I want to be happy. I want to be free. And I would lean back in my chair and I would say, you know what, when I retire, because I'm not leaving my check, when I retire, I want my office to be outside. I want to be a greater blessing to other people. I want to be a full-time coach. I want to be a speaker. I want to be free. I want to, you know, do what I want to do when I want to do with who I want to do it with. So So I had this sense of freedom that I wanted and I longed for. So I used to see her. I used to talk about her to myself and I wrote the vision down, mm-hmm. which you understand at this point, the three most powerful things you can do to activate the law of attraction. So at the end of the day, the law attracted the situation that came to burn my career down to get me to where I am today. So six months after leaving, running away, like Tina turned around from my that white suit, mm-hmm. six months after leaving, I got a clear vision of, holy cow, I am now who I wanted to be and who I saw in my dreams. So how can I now be mad at how it happened? Right. So in that moment, I forgave the story because the story to leave as a senior military officer, 16 and a half years is very dramatic. Let's be clear. Right. Well, (laughs) and as a financial advisor, and you were at the point in which I heard your story, you were speaking to a room full of financial advisors. And I'm sure every one of us was going, oh my gosh, Chrissy, you couldn't hold out just for another couple of years. (laughs) I would have died within a year. Like right. I was on the road to dying. Yeah. And I think you work with a lot of women in this capacity and a lot of us find ourselves in this position. And why do you think it is? And what prevents us from doing what you did and saying, I'm writing down what it is I want. I'm visualizing what it is I want and I'm going to make it happen. Even if it means, I guess to a certain extent, it's that fear of sacrificing so much that you've worked for. But where's the flaw in our thinking that way? I think it's several things. Mm -hmm. Childhood trauma. So being stuck in that cycle Mm -hmm. and then proving people wrong. And then the third one is always giving to everyone and never making self a priority. Never. Wouldn't even think about it. So the first part is the childhood trauma cycle. And this is what you were talking about it at the end, the new book that I have coming out and it's called Trauma Default. And it took a long time for me to figure out how to mm-hmm. wrap up in a 
nice little package of what I do exactly. Because when people call me an executive coach, I just roll my eyes in the back of my head. But there is no way to label what I do, Lauren. Does that make sense? And I'm like this. Yeah. I can help you get a job with duct tape on my eyes, <laughs> duct tape on my mouth and hands behind my back. Getting a raise is easy. Pah! We've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> and like, oh, you're a career coach. And I'm like, getting a job is so freaking boring. What I really like to do <laughs> is go back to the root of why can't women see their future and how did I get to where I was? Because after burning out, I ran for a year and burned through $100,000 and then ended up living with my brother for three and a half years <laughs> with no money. Mm-hmm. And so in that time, which was the most torturous time of my life, I started to see how I created the forest fire. Right. My boss was just another match. I was already on fire. How did I get there systematically? So the part of it is the childhood trauma cycle. Long before I entered the Coast Guard, I was accustomed to people telling me I wouldn't be anybody mm-hmm. and then working to prove them wrong. Period. That's my MO. Say something. Say I can't do something. I'm going to work. Yes. Well, and I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of high achieving women fall into that category. You're driven by a challenge. You're motivated to check those boxes of success without really asking yourself, is this the vision I have for what I want my life to look like? Is this what I want or am I going for what they said I couldn't have? So now we're completely off the track of where we're supposed to be, working to prove people wrong. So I didn't want to be a senior leader in my organization. I didn't want it. Now I was qualified for it, but the reason why I was seeking it is because they told me I couldn't do it. (laughs) So I'm now working 80 hours a week and I got four degrees to prove you wrong and to shove your head in the mud. (laughs) But Christy really likes to ride unicorns and eat croissants and be on the <laughs> so and really are they even bothered by the fact that you're rubbing their head and it's not even affecting anybody else it's only affecting you right you're caught in the story of your head of what you think the real problem is mm-hmm. i think a larger challenge lauren is a lot of high achieving women we're all bat ish crazy secretly mm-hmm. and we don't have a lot of women or people who understand the drive and the desire and just the, oh, I got to go get it. Like just the desire for a high achieving woman. They don't get it. And we're labeled as overachievers and we're labeled as workaholics or we're labeled as you need to slow down or you, you want too much or why can't you be happy with what you have? So we don't have a we don't have a lot of people that we can talk to and the women that we can find in are just as crazy as we are. So who, who's really, <laughs> how can we really be helped? And because we're high achievers, if you don't have that same energy, you can give us advice and we won't listen. <laughs> Clearly. Chris, you need to slow down. How, how is that working for you? Like, mm-hmm. I, like you can't give me advice. And that's another challenge, but the childhood part where we're talking about proving people wrong wraps into that and then just losing sight of what we wanted. And so now we don't know what we want because we're too busy proving people wrong that that becomes normal. Right. I feel to a certain extent, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this, that some people are wired to achieve. So instead of figuring out what's your purpose, why are you here, who are you here to help and serve, and what are you passionate about? We kind of just follow the trail that's laid out in front of us. And to a certain extent, not to make this a gender issue, but 
we're following the path that men have taken instead of forging our own path in some of those situations. I assume maybe that's specifically true for you in the Coast Guard, which obviously is very male-dominated. The military in general is. Yeah, it's different. The conditioning starts when we're young. Yeah. I was telling my my brotherhood, my nieces, three, brilliant. And for Christmas, she got this stove, mm-hmm. refrigerator set, the big toys. It's like she has this huge setup and then a grocery cart <laughs> and pizza and peaches and strawberries. So she has all this stuff. She has a table and a tea set. And so she'll say, hey, come, I'm going to cook. And she has a sink where she can wash the dishes. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So we sit down and she's serving pizza. And I'll say, well, I don't want pizza. I want a strawberry. So she has to go dig for the strawberry and she has to bring it out. <laughs> and that's her favorite thing is to cook and to serve. And I told him about a month ago, I said, you're teaching that baby to be a people pleaser. He was like, what? He had no idea because he's not, he's a man. Right. She has a little baby doll and they'll say, go get your baby. So she's holding on a baby and you know, what's your baby's name? And so they're teaching her, conditioning her, and and we've all done it by society. So by the time she's 10, she's looking to be a people pleaser. When she enters the workforce, she's so caught in the cycle of people must like me and I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. And if somebody doesn't like this, I need to go do this to make them like me to be pleasing because we're all pleased when she serves us the pizza. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. I like to describe myself as a reformed people pleaser at this point. I've learned a lot from you and what you've shared right now is an example of that is being a people pleaser is something I don't want to condition my daughter to do. And it's not that it's done intentionally. No idea. No, it's just the (laughs) default mode of operation in society and how we do interact with young women, girls versus boys. What is the solution to that? I mean, I guess that's a tiny step that we as parents can take in thinking about how we're interacting with our daughters specifically and our sons too, because this concept of having emotional intelligence applies to all children and all people. The first thing, Lauren, is the parents have to get free first because you can't see if you're caught in a web of your stuff and you're overwhelmed, 90, I mean, I talk to a lot of high achieving women and you do too. 90% of high achieving women are so, you know, crazy is all relative. Nuts, just nuts because mm-hmm. we're stressed out. We're overwhelmed and it's hard and it's tough and we're pushing up against the wall and there are a lot of things that are going on. So if you can free yourself mm-hmm. first, then you mm-hmm. can free other people. And when we say that, we're talking about, you know, your story where you walked away from a career that you had been in and shifted gears like 180 degrees. But we don't necessarily mean that it has to be that kind of dramatic shift and change that takes place, right? Oh, no, I'm not talking about quit your job. I mean, if I could do it all over again. Right. I would get my check. Let's be clear. So (laughs) the way that I coach women is once you see that your job is not the cause of your unhappiness, Mm -hmm. your spouse is not the cause of your unhappiness. You are the cause of your unhappiness. And actually one of my favorite clients is like, so you mean if I get happy first, then I would like my job? Yes. (laughs) Right. Like your job is not the root cause of your unhappiness. Your childhood stuff is. And if you can, heal that and forgive them. And Lauren, understand that without 
the challenges because a lot of high achievers have challenged childhoods that gave us the fuel to fuel our fire to lift us off the ground. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but every, nobody has a perfect childhood. I heard this lady, complete side note. Mm-hmm. One, I have no filter now, but I really didn't have a filter when I was in the military. I was at this yoga studio in New York and this lady was bawling her eyes out about how her dad gave her everything that she ever wanted. And because she was given everything she ever wanted, she can't keep a job for longer than eight months. So she blames her parents because they never told her no. Mm. And I left because they're all around her and they're rubbing her back and they're crying with her. And I had this look on my face, like the lunacy of this moment. And I went to the bathroom because I couldn't control (laughs) the way I was looking, right? (laughs) So I think a larger part of it is, is not about leaving your job, is how can you show up differently for yourself? And then you'll show up differently in your house and in your marriage and in your your space as a mom. It all starts with us. And it's a very selfish, uh, according to outside people who are accustomed to us serving them all the time, it's a very selfish journey that you need to embark on so you can be a better version of you. And then you'll be a greater version for other people. That is exactly true. And that's been my experience. I'm thinking about, okay, so how do you quantify this? What's the next thing that the people listening to this podcast should walk away and do? And I, it's really more than that, I guess. It's not a, here's one, two, three, and you've healed yourself. Now you're in the happy zone and you're ready to view your job differently, to view your relationships differently, to be the best version of yourself. But what are some things that you commonly see with women you're working with that you can point to and say, these are things that you can work on and do on a small scale to start the ball rolling in that direction. Okay. Number one, admit where you are. You can't go and move forward unless you're willing to admit where you are. You have to admit that you're miserable. You have to admit to yourself. By the time a high achieving woman verbally admits Mm -hmm. to herself that She's in trouble. She's already 90% buried. <laughs> Does that make sense? Totally, because that's part of the reason I think people stay so busy is to avoid thinking about where they are and what's going on. Exactly. So by the time you admit to yourself that you're in trouble, you're already 90% buried. By the time you verbally admit it, you're like one finger left before you're in your grave. Like it's somebody pull my finger and dig me out. So High achieving women have such a high pain tolerance that we don't feel pain. We have a thousand knives on our back. So I always tell a joke where somebody will come stab me in the back with a spear. And I'm like, did you say something? (laughs) (laughs) I stabbed you in the back with a big knife. You be like, wait, wait, wait. I got a thousand knives on my back. Let me, let me pull these two out of the way. So my back is callous. I'm like, I didn't feel that. Yeah. That reminds me of a graphic I saw recently, which I think so accurately depicts the selfless people pleaser as well. There's a visual of a woman with a thousand knives in her back (laughs) and someone else standing in front of her just doubled over in pain and tears and crying about how much they're hurting because they have like a splinter in their finger. And the woman goes, how can I help you? What do you need? (laughs) That's it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the first part is admit where you are. So if you think about if you're going to California, the first question is what? Where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you in Miami? Are you in New York? Are you actually in California? Because you have to know what to prepare for the journey. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. it's it's one, admit where you are. 
How did I admit to myself that I was unhappy? I read the book Happier by Tao Ben Shahar. He was a Harvard professor who taught a class on happiness. And so when people say, are you happy? You're like, well, what does that really mean exactly? Like, I'm not really sure what that means. So when I read the book, I said, holy crap, I'm miserable. <laughs> if you're unwilling to admit where you are, if you don't know what happy really means, read the book Happier. Number two is get clear on who is draining you of your life essence. Yeah. Who are the people that you are serving who expect for you to serve and you feel like they are dragging you down to the bottom of the ocean, but because you want them to like you, you're unwilling to say no. Who are these leeches? Then you have to figure out what are the things that you're doing that are good, but they're not right. High achieving women are doing a lot of good things. We do a lot of stuff. We serve on a lot of committees. We serve on a lot of boards. We take the lunches and the sandwiches and the cookies to the kids' school. And then we're, we're volunteering for extra projects at work. And then we're volunteering in the community. And then we're volunteering to be this. And, and so we're, we're caught being busy, going around and around and around in circles. Even, even as I'm looking at people during COVID, how can you still be busy when you're in the house? You are creating your chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing that to you. This is madness. So we're busy doing a lot of good things and wondering why we're overwhelmed, but what is right for who you want to be and where you want to go. So one of my clients is funny because she lied one weekend and said that because she was busy doing all these community things and she she was supposed to go out of town and she didn't go. And she lied to people and said she went out of town. How crazy is that when you have to lie? And so she just hung out with her kids at home for the weekend. And what she learned, Lauren, was she wasn't emotionally available to them because she was always stressed out and drained because she's giving her energy to good things and not the right things. And only when she started to see that, did she start to say no. And then when she came in the house, the kids would come and they would hug her and all this other kind of stuff. And over time, we talked and she said her and her husband hadn't argued in like 30 days. Wow. And I said, okay, 30 consecutive days, they had not argued. And I said, well, how long has it been since you haven't argued for 30 days? She said, a long time. I said, I'll wait. How long has it been? I want you to add it up. She said, 10 years. So because she was giving all of her energy to people and things outside of her home, she had no energy to give the people in her home, which are who matter most. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the blessings in disguise of what we've been going through with COVID, actually, is a lot of us have had that time to reflect and take inventory and reevaluate do I really need to be doing mm -hmm. all of the mm -hmm. things that I was doing and kind of taking it all down and then building back up in a way, like you're saying, not doing just the things that are good, but the things that are right. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, what is the benefit of going through this process for yourself and for those people around you and to society as a whole? Why should we reflect on all of this and aim to get rid of the doing good and focus on doing what's right. If you're miserable with everything that you have, <laughs> what's the point? Yeah. And I remember going to Guatemala in 2009 and I was stressed out 
and I was miserable and I hated my life. And I remember this lady, she was probably maybe a size Mm -hmm. 18, 20. She was short, but she was thick. Mm-hmm. And her husband came to pick her up every day from work on a moped and they rode down cobblestone streets mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And they were happier than me, Lauren. <laughs> and I was getting ready to buy a car cash and I'm living on a golf course and I have all these clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say they had 10% of what I had and they were happier than me. So that taught me so much on why am I miserable? Why am I fighting people who don't like me? Why am I being a people pleaser? Why am I doing all these things Right. when I really just want to be happy and happiness doesn't cost what I thought it did? So this is one of the elements that went into me leaving because I had that experience. So two years later, I'm out because happiness and peace are free. The second part is this time is finite. We don't have until retirement. A lot of people keep talking about retirement. And I said, who told you that you were going to live that long? Nobody guaranteed you yeah. mm-hmm. the golden parachute or the, the golden days or the whatever, the golden years. Like, who told you that you're going to have that? And then the third part is, I didn't know how miserable I was mm-hmm. or how angry I was or how bitter I was until I became happy. Between me, mm-hmm. you, and, and my clients, we de-age 15, 20 years in the face. Bondage has a look. <laughs> Freedom has a look. So as I look at people and they're like, I'm happy. I'm like, no, you're not. I remember <laughs> you saying that in your presentation. I'm sure Donna heard you speak at the same event in Boston. Coincidentally, you met Donna there as well. And that is one of the things I remember you saying is that you mm-hmm. can now recognize yep, when yep. someone is putting on the face of happiness versus being truly happy. It's not that, man. You can see it too now. You can see people who have a cracked smile. I can even see it in LinkedIn photos. So I told a lady who got on my phone the other day, we were talking and I said, you know what your picture looks like on LinkedIn, your profile shot? She said, what? I said, it looks like, oh my God, I'm smiling, but I'm really not happy. And I hope they like me. Do they like me? Am I smiling too harsh? Should I be smiling Mm -hmm. this way? She said, that's exactly what I was thinking. I said, yeah, I know. I can see it. (laughs) So energetically, What I really want women to know, Lauren, is it's never too late to be happy. Mm -hmm. And we deserve it because we've worked and we've we've proven them wrong and we've worked hard and we have the degrees and we've worked extensively and we have the car and every and the house and the kids and the husband or not. Mm -hmm. But we have everything that they say we couldn't have. But we're so caught up fighting because they're never going to stop talking. Mm -hmm. So one, you've made it, but two, it's never too late to live. I thought when my mentees are better than me from the Coast Guard, which was my, they were happier than I was because my goal was, and I I thought about this a couple of weeks ago. I said, that was crazy, Christy. I taught them how to have balance, even if I couldn't save myself. Mm. easier to give advice of, you know, Ms. Rutherford, I've done this. I've, I've got this qualification. I'm working on this degree. So we're checking all these high achievement boxes. And they said, but I still have time. What should I do? I said, get a life. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. save myself from that. But that's advice that I gave them. And really thinking about it now, that was a cop out because I was not willing to look at myself. Right. I think that's the perfect lead in to the three questions that Donna and I like to ask 
our guests on the podcast. Number one being, we're acknowledging that we're seeking balance in life, Mm -hmm. but there are times where you have to focus more heavily in one area than another, but you're trying to have everything marry and work together. But for you, what right now would you say is taking up your focus and attention to a greater degree than maybe normally would? One, peace. I seek peace at all times. That's, let's be clear. And if it doesn't happen, I'll watch Marvel movies until I get peace. There, there is anointing <laughs> in Marvel movies and that rum cake Miss June makes in the Bahamas. <laughs> what I'm working on right now is I'm working on the book Trauma Default. So my goal is to share this insight. A lot of people don't realize, Lauren, that whatever they're going through right now, the 20 problems that they have right now are rooted in one thing from their childhood. And trauma default, it doesn't have to be physical trauma or dramatic trauma of having an alcoholic parent. It can be just like the lady that I was telling you about earlier who said her parents gave her everything. It is what the perception is of the child's mind. <laughs> yes. That keeps pulling you back to whenever you want to move forward. What is the story that you're telling yourself? Because that story is rooted and, and if you can figure out what that script is, then you could change your life. So that's really what I want to do is start to tell people, and we talked about this earlier before we got on, I'm having a coming out party to tell people this is actually mm-hmm. what I do. I mean, getting a raise and a bonus promotion. And I do assist my clients with getting 30 and 40% raises and bonuses. Several of them have been promoted over their boss's boss in three months. Uh-huh. How do I do that? We go back and we figure out what is the script that's playing in their head that's stopping them from seeing how great they are because that script is a lie. So you can't see how great you are in this moment because you're listening to the lie of your past. Mm -hmm. And if we can relieve you of the lie of your past, and once you own who you are and own your greatness, then they go out and do great things. This is how you can get a 40% raise in three months is you're actually that person right now. You just didn't know it. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is giving yourself grace and letting go of those certain parts of your life that are holding you back. And in a lot of ways, you and I have talked about this, how you're in your own way. You need to get out of your own way. And a lot of that, in my personal experience, has been giving myself grace and allowing myself to be selfish in some ways. So is there any way that you are doing that for yourself as you're focusing on writing this book? And I do believe, actually, by the time this airs, it will be launched and available. But how are you giving yourself grace as you're focusing on that? I think for me, in these times of tumultuous change, I live in a bubble. (laughs) (laughs) I live in a bubble. Like I understand what's going on, but I fight my battle because if I was to pick up the mantle and fight every time something happens, I would be dead right now. Let's be clear. I would just exhaust myself till I have nothing left. And so giving myself graces, understand that I am uniquely created to solve a problem. And that is to close the gender wage gap for women worldwide by 20% in the next 20 years and to get 10,000 women promoted and raises by 2025. That's, those are my large goals. So yes, I can go out and I can march and I can fight and I can do all these things, but I can also put that energy into talking to women and getting them 30, 40% raises. I have six women that have been promoted in the past two months Mm -hmm. in a pandemic with 30 and 40%. One of them has two extra income, right? So it's understanding what is my battle and doing that work. And that's grace because 
I understand the other stuff, but I'm not yeah. going to accept the responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And that makes me selfish as I don't know what. And I'm okay with that. That's key. You have to be able to do that, to do your work in the world. That's my work. So are there any more concrete tips, tricks, strategies? Because you're still managing a lot of things and doing everything you're doing. What advice would you give for women who are trying to do it all? Yeah. Uh, meditate five minutes a day, three times a week. Mm-hmm. I always get my recipe. So meditate. It's only five minutes. And a lot of people don't understand about the meditation piece. And I'm like, well, if your kids had their toys <laughs> all over the floor, mm-hmm. once you organize those toys and you get them put back up where they're supposed to be, now you can think clearly. Moms can be like, oh my God, I can now think clearly because I'm not bombarded by clutter. That's the same thing with meditation. You're going to put everything back on the shelf And now you can think clearly and be more productive and make better decisions. We're incapable of rational thought and to make the tough decisions because we're full of clutter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time in 2012, I I cannot be held responsible for my decisions. I was a maniac. (laughs) (laughs) Why why did y'all ask me for anything? Any decision I made 2012, 2013, I cannot be held responsible for because I was not (laughs) capable of rational thought. I was so stressed out. And unwilling, Lauren, to change. So when I talk to women, I always say, I know who you are. I used to be you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm not judging you. I I am actually saying, please, let me help you. I used to be you. And and you can change. They're like, wait, you used to be like me? Yes, girl. (laughs) And you're weird now? Yes, come join me and ride these unicorns. So one is the meditation, five minutes a day. And then work out three times a week. And, And look, Lauren. I was thinking this morning, I said, I'm going to write this on a quote one day. I have to figure out how I'm going to say it, but stop reading books and start applying. Yes. Don't read another book. Just apply the information that you've read. So we know we're supposed to work out. We know we're supposed to meditate. We know we're supposed to do all these things. Just do what you know you're supposed to do. So these aren't, you know, it's not groundbreaking research or something that happens. It's like we hear it all the time, but will you do it? So the meditation and then work out three times a week because working out, mm-hmm. just moving your body, even if you just have to go outside and walk. And then three, give yourself grace mm-hmm. and understand that you can change, but people are doing their best right now. So you're doing your best. Give yourself grace and forgive yourself for you know not what you do, right? Like, you know not what you did is how can I be here responsible? I was incapable of rational thought and I would easily just write that off on my taxes to say, I can't, I can't be responsible. <laughs> Charge that to the game. It's, <laughs> I wasn't, I was done. The scary part is, or the awareness is, I see so many people who are like where I was in 2012 and 2013. And it's scary because- Women are actually dying of heart attacks and strokes. And the way that a lot of women stop, women need to change through inspiration or desperation. And a lot of women are choosing until they become desperate before they do something. I was desperate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One of my clients was Mm -hmm. actually in the hospital in ICU and needed a blood transfusion. She was desperate in ICU for two weeks because she was stressed out in financial services. Does that make sense? So it's, uh-huh, uh-huh. when are you going to choose to change? And don't be like Tina Turner running from Ike in the white suit. But if you are, I hope that this message is choose the change now because something typically comes dramatic and chaotic and disruptive 
to make you change and hopefully you'll get a second chance. I'm grateful that I didn't have a stroke or a heart attack or whatever before I left, but choose to change and be better for yourself. And then you can be better for other people. Excellent. Well, I am always inspired after I talk with you, Christy. Thank you for sharing your inspiration with our listeners. And if people want to follow your work, see what you're doing, hear from you, get your book, where can people find you? You can go to my website, christyrutherford.com. All my social media links are at the bottom. Connect with me on LinkedIn, please. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn more than Facebook. And then you can get Trauma Default at traumadefault.com. And so I'm going to have a series <laughs> of, uh, of podcasts and videos because I really, at this stage, and it took a long time for me to get here, and, and we're on a journey of this is what I do. And it's, it's a different conversation. And as we love Abraham Hicks, Abraham says, I'm not here to talk to everyone. We're only here to talk to the people who are ready to receive our message. And I have to understand that as I start talking and having this conversation, it may or may not be a popular conversation to some people, Mm -hmm. but I'm here to talk to the people and impact the people that I'm meant to touch. And I'm okay with that. Fantastic. Well, all that information you just shared will be in our show notes. And you can follow us on Instagram at life underscore rebalanced to see more from us and share your thoughts. And we love to hear from you and tell us what you think about the podcast, any suggestions, questions you have about future podcasts. We're happy to hear from you. And until then, be well.